Welcome back, fiction fans, to my podcast. It's Anita Capri, and you are listening to Not Just Any Other Story. So today, um, I have a special guest who just drove through freezing rain and a terrible... Over hills, down dales, <laughs> through snow banks to get here. That's right. And uh, so I guess I'll introduce you. We have Claire. And Claire is... Um, we were just discussing before we started that we've known each other for 20 years. 20 years. Where did and, that time go? Yeah, we just were like kind of going, holy cow, like that just flew by didn't it it did your kids were like little they were running around my i remember them running around my house yeah like little little ones yeah and my 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 son matthew probably went into all your cupboards yeah maybe checked it all my kids would do the same thing (laughs) (laughs) anyway i thank you so much claire and i have a lot in common we are both um we used to both be French teachers oui. at the same place. N'est-ce pas? N'est-ce pas? C'est ça. Oui. C'était fabuleux. But we weren't also just French teachers. We were also part of a fabulous staff that yeah. we loved music together. We yes. had a great choir. Games and nights. Games nights. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. It was It was a very special staff to yeah. work with. So. Yeah, it was. I feel blessed that... Uh, yeah, and because of that, like we crossed paths, and we crossed paths again. Like we hadn't seen each other for a while, and then a few years ago again, and now here we are. Uh-huh. It's amazing, eh? Yes, enjoying retirement. Yeah. It's awesome. Yes. I've been playing pickleball. I love it. <laughs> anyway, so we, um, last time we left off Chapter 7, when Angel uh, discovers that her son Harry has a girlfriend. Ooh. And she's not that pleased about it. She she is, but she isn't. Well, I think she's it's sort of her time. Brings, yeah, because it's a parent, right, yes. who's realizing that their child is moving on to that next phase of their life. That's right. That's right. So we're going to carry on with Chapter 8. We're just going to get Claire set up here. And give me one second. Okay, you ready? Claire, ready? Claire's actually going to read for us, which is great. Here we go, Chapter 8. Chapter 8, and they call it Puppy Love, times two. The next morning, I relished in the fact that I could sleep in, having the freedom to stay in bed for as long as my body willed it was very therapeutic. It was nine by the time I heard Harry get up. I smiled to myself when the floorboards creaked as he tiptoed down the hallway and into the kitchen. The floors always creaked in that same spot by the bathroom. And Harry, while doing his best not to wake me, couldn't help the noise that he made. I pictured him a few years older, trying to sneak in late from a party. He would quietly move down the hall toward his bedroom, trying not to make a peep so that I wouldn't know what time he arrived home. Then, creak. I would wake up, check out the time, and all the possibilities of fibbing about it would be lost. When I had finished drifting in and out of restless sleep, I opened my eyes and glanced over my shoulder to see the time. It was 11.14. Good for me. Harry was dressed and on the phone chatting too, and my instincts told me you know who. I watched him closely and noticed that he was flicking his index finger across his lap, a sure sign that he was nervous. I felt almost overwhelmed by my love for him at that moment. I took a deep breath and promised myself that I would try to act like I knew nothing about Harry's new love interest in the hopes that he would share this exciting news with me on his own, without my prodding on my part. When he got off the phone, I was already sipping my coffee, reading the Saturday paper with a bowl of leftovers pasta in front of me. Honestly, Mom, you gross me out when you eat dinner for breakfast. Harry said as he sauntered into the kitchen. I'm going to Keith's house today. Then maybe we'll go to the mall this afternoon, maybe catch a movie, okay? He made it sound like he was asking, but he already had his jacket on and was evidently in a hurry. Okay, I answered. Anyone else going to the movies? I couldn't help it. Call it a mother's curiosity. His cheeks took on a pink glow and all signs of puppy love refused to be hidden. Saving him from having to answer, I asked, And what is your ETA? I'll probably be home for dinner, he replied, now halfway to the front door. I think I should be home for dinner, 
I think he should be home for dinner, I called after him, hoping my tone would be enough to assure him that he didn't have a choice in the matter. Okay, Mom, he called back, and I could hear the door slam shut as he raced out of the house. I sat there wondering what I would do with the rest of my day. It had been so long since I'd had a whole Saturday to myself. I even considered going in to work, but quickly dispelled this ridiculous notion from my head as I turned to a full-page ad in the newspaper. Big, bold letters were sprawled across the first page of the lifestyle sec section, advertising the half-price sale at my favorite outlet store. I called Moira right away. There was nothing like the elated feeling one got when preparing for a day of shopping. Moira and I love shopping, and we would sometimes spend two hours in one store, turning over every item, checking out every price tag before deciding on what we would actually buy. As I got dressed for my day's shopping extravaganza, I felt lighthearted in stark contrast to the previous evening's mood. When the phone rang, I chose not to answer. Bev's voice, pleading, rang through the house as the answer machine clicked on. Angel, pick up, please. I need you. I really need you. Pick up if you're there. Bev knew I would screen calls sometimes. After a moment's hesitation, I did pick up. I would just like to remind you before you say anything, I started, that this is my first Saturday off in a long time and any favors will involve, bri will involve bribery. Okay, bribery it is, she giggled. And then, in a more serious voice, she explained her predicament. So I'm really stuck for tonight. One of my waitresses had an emergency for you. And you know how busy the bistro is on a Saturday night. And to top it off, Liz has a fever, the flu, I think, so I need to stay home with her. I couldn't help but secretly regret picking up after all. But it was almost impossible to say no to Bev. And I knew that if it were me, I wouldn't feel right about leaving a sick child at home with the babysitter. Hey, I have an idea, I began. Why don't you go into work and I'll watch the kids. I'll take care of your sick honey bunch for you. When she hesitated, I knew that she didn't want to leave Liz home with anyone else but her. So before I could uh, she could respond, I agreed to go in to help hands out at the restaurant. I would ask one of my newer girls, Angie, but she's off tonight. And besides, you know the ropes. Things will go smoothly if you're there. Bev was right. I did know the ropes. I could have run the place as well as she or hands did. I had worked at the bistro for five years on and off through my days at veterinary school and during my apprenticeship. I knew every job and sometimes I even helped with preparing the food under Hans's uh, watchful eye, of course. So after a fruitful afternoon at the outlet mall, cut a little short by my evening obligation, I drove home, changed and was off to the restaurant to work again. It seemed like all I did was work these days. I tried calling Harry on his cell phone. He had it turned off, no doubt, because he was already in the movie theater. So I left a note in the kitchen table uh, for him that his, he was on his own for dinner with 20 bucks and the phone number for the pizza place down the road. I arrived at the restaurant by 4.30, and as I walked in, I stopped by the entranceway to check my appearance in the ornate, oversized mirror that adorned the little waiting area. I couldn't help but admire the new blouse that I had bought this afternoon. I agreed with myself that I measured up to Bev's and Hans's standards. They were fairly strict about the dress code for their employees, especially the servers. The image of professionalism and class and to be upheld, was to be upheld at all times. Along with the freshly purchased fitted blouse, I chose to wear a black skirt with a classic pair of open-backed pumps, as opposed to dress pants with flats. After all, it was Saturday night, despite the fact that it was still work. The evening rush started early, and even Hans commented that there must have been something going on around town for the bistro to be that crowded, with a wait list to boot. The fact that it was situated in an up-and-coming up area of the city did tend to boost business, but as it turned out, the Toronto Film Festival seemed to have drawn crowds to every trendy corner of the city.
I was on with two other waitresses, Tina and Constance, and a waiter, George, who was my favorite. We all agreed on which sections we would serve. I chose the nearest one in the front window so that I could see what was happening outside. Most of the evening went very smoothly. By about eight o'clock, I couldn't help but feel satisfied that I had already covered at least half of my spending that day, just from tips alone. I stopped for a short break and ate one of the specialties of the evening, a chicken cordon bleu with a goat cheese cream sauce. This was one of the highlights of spending time at the restaurant. It didn't matter how busy it was, Hans or his sous chef always made sure that we all had a break and ate one of his best dishes. Though he tended to give me a little extra of everything, which included a few sips of white wine. When I had had my fill, I headed for the large booth at the far end of my section. It was just about there where I noticed Colin, the interested one at Bev's party. He was seated beside two very attractive ladies. One of them had long, black, shiny hair and looked like one of those island beauties from a travel magazine. The other had short brown hair with big droopy eyes. I tried to guess which one was his date. And as I got closer, I recognized Rishi from the back of his head. There was another woman seated next to him. And then beside the window, it looked like it can't be. No. Oh, gosh, it's him. Oh, no. My mind darted back and forth, and I tried to decide if I was thrilled or scared to death to see Les Grierson's gazing out the window, looking, I might add, freshly buffed. By the time I realized who it was, I was standing at the side of the table. I'm sure I must have looked as if it, uh, I had just encountered a ghostly apparition for the first time. I tried to make a quick recovery before he looked up. Hi, I said, I'll be right back. I turned around quickly and as I rushed toward the, uh, the kitchen, I heard one of them call out my name. It sounded like Rishi's voice. I pretended I didn't hear them in my frazzled state. I ran into George who was carrying a large tray of drinks to one of his tables. There was a loud crash followed by broken glass, slippery wet floor. I felt the heat in my cheeks rise like a thermometer stuck in a pot of boiling water. I prayed that he couldn't see me. I didn't care about anyone else at that moment, but I did not want Les Grierson to see me make such a fool of myself. After apologizing to George several times, he took my hand saying, Angel, this is what makes this evening so exciting. Don't worry. Now we will have something to laugh about later. I love George. He always made light of things and never seemed to get out of sorts about anything. Even with the most difficult customers, though there had been very few in his case, he had this calming effect on people. Luckily, most of the drinks landed on the floor, but as George pointed out to me in the kitchen, I had a huge Coke stain on my brand new blouse directly over my right breast. My blouse had become completely see-through, and the next thing I knew, I was in the ladies' restroom using the hand dryer, and if you have ever tried to dry silk with a hand dryer, you would know how ridiculous I must have looked. One side of my blouse was crinkled and slightly shrunk, and the brown coke stain, which did not completely wash off, made a perfect outline of the lace-trimmed bra I was wearing. Lovely. So much for my perfect purchase today. Tina, one of the more experienced waitresses, had agreed to take the table for me, and I traded one as far away from Les Grierson as I could get. I avoided looking in their direction and hoped that Les hadn't recognized me from our short encounter at the party, or even worse, from our more intimate encounter 15 years ago. Tina hurried up to me after she took all their orders with a smile a mile wide. Hey, Angel, one of the guys at the table asked if your name was Betty. Oh, no. It was the dreaded moment of truth. And what'd you say? I asked. Well, I didn't get a chance to answer. The cute fellow with the uh, earring, he said, no, that's Beth's sister, Angel. And then what did you say? I asked anxiously. I didn't say anything, she answered, clearly perplexed by it all. I didn't know what was going on. So what is going on? She asked, still smiling. Are you Angel or are you Betty? It's a long story and someday I'll tell you, but uh, not tonight. 
Okay, kiddo, your call. But what a group, hunky guys. Too bad they have those ladies with them. Otherwise, I'd be unbuttoning my top uh, a notch or two. I had to laugh at Tina. She was 40, divorced twice, currently single, and ready for her next victim. It was just getting on 10 to 10 o'clock. Time seemed to be going very slowly as I peeked over at Les's table. It looked like they were in no hurry to leave. Then, as I was ringing in my last customers of the evening, Colin approached me at the cash register. So, it is you, Angel, he said, smiling. Why didn't you come back to our table? I knew I couldn't hide anymore and proceeded to give my apologies. I'm so sorry. It's been a busy night. I was planning to come and say hello right after I finished ringing in the table. I lied. Will you be here a little while longer? Well, we could be. He left it almost like a question, and I noticed a hint of something in his eye. Call it a twinkle or a spark or just plain annoying. He was definitely interested. He stood there, waiting for a reply, his head tilted to one side, half of his face hidden by his shiny, shoulder-length hair. This is all I need now, I thought. I surmised that if I hadn't met him a few weeks ago, I may have flirted back, but circumstances had become somewhat complicated since then. Just give me a few minutes, okay? I said, holding my index finger up, and then turned to go into the kitchen to prepare my next move. I needed some time to think of my plan, to strategize. Nick, one of the young kitchen helpers, was there filling up the sinks with water. I asked him to go out to clear some of the tables while I washed up in the kitchen for him. That would buy me a few more minutes. Go on, I urged him, feeling a little guilty for making him think that I was just being nice. Go out, get a change of scenery for a few minutes. I'll take over uh, for a bit in here. I knew my smile was fake, and so did Hans who, looking up from his grill top, gave me a questioning look, though I was sure that he was he knew that something was up. I pretended not to notice him as I pulled on a pair of yellow rubber gloves. As soon as I began the chore of washing some of the pots and pans, I immediately set about getting to the more pressing task at hand, scheming a way out of my awkward situation. Then, just as I was beginning to make some headway, a familiar voice resounded in the room and brought all the wheels that had been turning fervently in my mind to a screaming halt. An enormous quiver ran through me and my body turned instantly to stone as if Medusa herself had been standing there staring me down. I knew an angel once, he said, though his tone was smooth and even I sensed a hint of sarcasm in it. I just stared into space for a moment, gloves dripping with suds and water, my mouth open. My back was to him, and I knew that eventually I would have to turn around and face him. Did you? I finally answered, squeezing my eyes shut. Yeah, I lost track of her. I turned around slowly to see Les Grierson in full form, leaning casually against the door jamb. Our gazes met for a brief but scintillating moment. Hans, looking very amused but sensing his cue to leave, put down his spatula and said, I just need to go down to the cellar for a moment. I'll be right back. God bless Hans. Les was grinning now as if he were thinking, Aha, now we're alone. I noticed that he was very tall. He still had that same boyish grin, though his short hair and clean-cut look lent him an air of sophistication. Yes, he had matured wonderfully over the years. I was wondering why no one could tell me anything about a girl named Betty that I met at a party recently, he said, and then shifted his weight so that he was no longer leaning but standing up straight, his hands in his pockets. I was biting my lip, trying to figure out how I would explain the fake name thing. I told you my name was Betty because, well, I don't know why. I Realizing that my excuse... I attempted would sound lame, I just stopped myself short. He continued to smile at me without answering. Then he took his hands out of his pockets, crossed his arms in a, you're not gonna get out of this one so easily way. He was wearing a black V neck sweater and dark blue jeans. I could tell he was as fit as ever and wondered if he still played football as he had in high school. I noticed his eyes move from my face to my chest, down the length of my body, and then 
with barely a blank back up to my face. The color began to rise in my cheeks for the second time that evening. Damn him for being so sure of himself and for giving me the once over. I felt like I was stumbling over my words to explain myself once again. Well, I, I sometimes I do that. Sometimes if I meet someone somewhere uh, that you want to get away from, he interjected, finishing my sentence for me. Well, yes, but I wasn't trying to get away from you. I was just in a hurry. Oh, he said, nodding slightly and tilting his head to the side. His eyes narrowed and he stood there, arms still crossed, carefully considering my response and my guilty expression. There was silence for a few long seconds. We were wondering if you were going to come by and say hello tonight. Colin, in particular, was looking forward to speaking with you, he said, smiling. He was definitely looking for a uh, reaction. Was he testing me to see if I was interested in his friend? I was just finishing up, I explained, turning back around so that I was no longer facing him. I wasn't going to let him see any reaction. I wouldn't give him the satisfaction just yet. How about I come out and join you now? I asked, as if that had been the plan all along. Sure, he agreed. But then he stepped into the kitchen, and in two quick strides, he was beside me. The scent of his cologne and the speed of his approach caught me off guard, but my heart stopped for an instant, and my hands started to shake. I finally managed to take off the rubber gloves, fighting with my nerves to keep my hands steady. What am I, a freaking teenager? God, get a grip, Angel, get a grip. Okay, let's go, I said, as I took the sink plug out to drain the water. Wait a second, he said, and gently placed his hand on my forearm. I looked up at him, anticipating what he would do next. Is he actually going to kiss me, I thought. I forced myself to look down, not daring to lose myself in those emerald eyes. He peered into the sink, and I wondered what it was about the soapy water that was so interesting to him. And then he finally leaned back and said, no ring, huh? Uh, no what? I asked, barely registering what he'd said. No wedding ring, he answered, and gently lifted my left hand out of the sink, examining it for a second, and then placed it delicately on the edge of the sink. No, no wedding ring, I assured him. I fumbled with a towel, trying desperately now to hide my hands. Hmm, good, he said, as the left corner of his mouth curled upward into a relaxed but knowing smile. I suspected he was either recalling a passionate moment in the time many years ago, or hoping for one in the near future, or both. He motioned with his arm, in a very gentlemanly way for me to walk ahead of him as, he, as we left the kitchen. I could feel his eyes bearing down on me as he followed me out. Is he starting? Is he staring at my legs? My, no, my butt. Oh, I bet he's staring at my butt. Did he ever notice my pretty blouse? Then I wondered if he had noticed the coke stain in my crinkled blouse. I could have laughed out loud, thinking about how absurd my thoughts were, or worse, yet how absurd I must have seemed to him. God, I hope he didn't notice, I thought to myself. And then my thoughts took a quick U-turn, and I prayed once more. God, I hope he noticed. <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> so, that's one of my favorite chapters. It's a very long chapter. Yeah, it is. And but it was. But it was I good. wanted to lead up to that part. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I love, I love like that whole uncomfortable. How she's so uncomfortable. Yeah, and she's like scheming in her mind. Now what am I gonna do? Now what am I gonna do? And he's just so casual about it all. And he, it's almost like he likes. He's watching her squirm, and he's kind of enjoying it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of cat and mouse. Yeah, mm -hmm. a little bit of that. Yeah. So. Yeah, anyway, so that's one that, that's that's one of the chapters I really like. I, I think it's because of all those little I think it develops your characters more. Yes, it does. Right? For sure. So you start to get to know him. Yes. Sure. You get to know him and, and her a little more. Yeah. And, and you know, she's a little bit insecure. Yeah. Right? She hasn't seen him for a long time. And yeah. is she gonna reveal her secret? And she knows she's got a big secret that she needs to reveal. Yeah. And he still has no idea. <laughs> no, no, no idea. But she, she still likes him, obviously. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. She's attracted to him for sure. For sure. 
Well, yeah. there's things in the other chapters that she says too about him that she she thinks that like we had mentioned that if she had told him when she was 16 when she had, had Harry, um, she thinks he might have stayed. Like he he she felt that he was that kind of guy, right? That you know he wasn't the kind of guy that was just gonna take know, off. Yeah, but so. I guess she did. She also didn't want him putting his life on hold. Yeah, you know, he had a lot going for him. He did. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, she was really lucky to have a family who was so supportive of her. Yeah. Because you and I both know, or I know, growing yeah. up, like that was not necessarily the case. Yeah. Right. Girls were just uh, like I know. Growing up myself, uh, I knew somebody who you know became a teenage mom, and yeah. um, she disappeared from our neighborhood, and mm-hmm. didn't hear from her again. And it was, and so now to this day, like it's kind of like whatever happened to her child. Yeah. So did so did her family move away? Or no, they just stay? sent they sent the she sent her to live with her brother oh, in wow. the United States somewhere. Wow. Yeah. And of course, you know, yeah. rumors were and she was grade eleven and yeah. you know, and uh I th- that's what I was thinking as I was reading this, how things have really changed about teenage mothers and yeah. how families nowadays are so much more supportive. It's not such yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Um, my dad depends was, what part of the world you're in. True, <laughs> true. But like my my father was a doctor, yeah. So he came across it a lot in his practice. My mother was a midwife. She came across it a really? lot in her practice. Yeah, yeah. Because there'd be a lot of about your parents. Yeah. So uh, even a, a lady who was uh, basically looking after my brother and myself, like she was a teenage mom, and they mm-hmm. gave her housing and lodging, and she mm-hmm. looked out. And then I don't know what happened to her child. Um, wow. but that was, and you're hearing it more and more these days of yeah. friends of mine who have also all of a sudden discovered that they have half brothers and half sisters. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've got like about three or four different ones that they've now discovered since their parents have passed yeah. that their dad or their mom, yeah. Wow. And they gave them up for adoption because yeah. it happened before they got married yeah. or when they were really, they just weren't ready and, for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Woo, yeah. A lot of baggage in this one. There it is. <laughs> well, shall we go on? Did you want to say anything? Like, do you have anything else you wanted to comment on before we? Oh, on just the... just about the sneaking around, like Harry sneaking around, like that just reminded me so much of my brother. Yeah. Who would, you know? Yeah. There, we had a flat roofed house, and I remember he would sneak up the antenna. Really. Right, the TV antenna to get into his bedroom and climb through the window so that my parents wouldn't know. When he, when he was tumbling into the house <laughs> and it was one time that his his friends had um basically stripped him naked <laughs> and then i think my mom discovered him heard this big collapse oh, i know i was the good one though i didn't I ever do that too. i was such a goody two-shoes when yeah. i was growing up i actually because i was the youngest mm-hmm. i used to see my parents walking around the house waiting yeah. And waiting for my brother and my sister to get home from wherever party or whatever. And I actually felt sorry for them. Yeah. So I was always home by when I was supposed to be home. Like, yeah. I think maybe once or twice I was late and I told, mm-hmm. told them I was going to be a bit late because I was waiting for my ride. Yeah. Or whatever. But, um, yeah. no, I, um, I, 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 yeah, I, my kids weren't so, uh, innocent i think yeah <laughs> I used, but you know at one point i had um on the iphone i had the i was, could tell where my son was oh so you tracked him. yeah and but then he quickly once i did that a couple times because i called him it was really late once and i was actually worried because mm-hmm. it was bad weather mm-hmm. and he's like he I asked where he was and he lied and uh. i said no you're not <laughs> So you got his phone taken And then off. after that, he like <laughs> took me off of like, you know, oh. sharing locations or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My guys were pretty good. Like we yeah. generally, if they went out to a party and that's how things have changed, they don't drink and drive. Yeah. No, they don't. Or they just stay at each other's homes. Yeah. And uh, we were yeah. always really grateful. The kids, the kids are, they really understand that now. They do. At least the, the the young people that I, you know, my kids associate with, yeah. and my own kids, and very much different from yeah. when we were growing up. Sure, yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Very true. Anyway, okay. Well, I guess I will. Um, it's okay. Um, I'm on chapter nine, right? That's yes, eight. the so red alert stone. You are on nine. Chapter nine is really short, so um, yeah, I like this one too. It's called the red alert zone. You'll see why. 
I barely had time to recover from the excitement of the previous evening when I was awakened out of a dead sleep the next morning when the phone rang. I was still in the process of deciding what day it was when I answered. My hello must have revealed as much when the voice on the other end asked if I'd been asleep. When it had registered that Les was the caller, I felt my body stiffen with shock. Oh, hi, I said a little gruffly, trying to clear my throat. So were you, he asked. Was I what? Sleeping. Oh, um, I was just laying down, but I wasn't asleep. I could sense his smile on the other end. Then my curiosity seemed to take over. How did you get my phone number? Do you mind? No, no, just wondering. Well, I have my ways. I was at a loss for words. I had no idea what to say. That wouldn't sound like small talk. It was like I was a teenager back at Miller's grocery store again. Since you're up now, he teased, I was just thinking that I would do a little exploring around town today. I've only been here a few weeks and I was hoping maybe you might have some time to show me around Toronto a little, if you had some time. I was so nervous that after a long moment's hesitation, I blurted out, I don't know. What a stupid answer. Either I know or I don't know. Now he's probably thinking, what does she mean she doesn't know? She either knows or she doesn't. Is she going to let me know when she knows? My mind twittered back and forth between the desire to see Les again and the promise I'd made to spend the day with Harry. When I heard Harry coming down the hallway in the familiar creak of the floor, I quickly recovered and answered with sincere disappointment in my voice. I don't think I can today. I already have plans. I'm sorry, Les. Hmm, that's too bad. Maybe I... He hesitated. I could tell he was fishing, and it was obvious that he didn't know whether I was blowing him off or not. I'd like to go on another day, then. Would you be interested? Good answer, Les Grierson. If at first you don't succeed, then try, try again. Yes, I would, I answered without a single solitary ounce of hesitation. Great, he sounded relieved. Should I give you a few days, or would you like to set a date now? Uh, well, I don't know. Oh no, here I go again with the I don't know thing. Every time I redeem myself, I follow it up by saying something foolish. Thankfully, he filled in the gap for me by suggesting that we meet on Friday after work for a dinner and tour of Toronto by night. By God, he was asking me out on a date. It didn't seem real. Then suddenly the thought of spending hours with him over dinner and a so-called tour of the city sent off warning bells in my head. After agreeing to go out with him, it was my turn to make a suggestion. I told Les we should meet at a little cafe later in the evening in Midtown. This seemed much safer than a long, drawn-out dinner at a restaurant, which might have meant a much lengthier and perhaps more intimate conversation. Being the gentleman that he was, he offered to pick me up at home. The warning bells turned to screaming red sirens at the thought of him seeing Harry for the first time. He couldn't know just yet. He couldn't even know that I had a son, especially a 14-year-old. After all, there was a slight possibility he might make the connection. Not yet, Les, not yet. I could barely say goodbye, what with the palpitations booming wildly in my chest cavity. My hands were actually trembling when I set down the receiver. This wasn't just any date. This was opening up a door into new territory, one which had huge implications, one which could precipitate a painful journey for me and for Harry. But maybe it could be one of happiness, too, of new beginnings. I felt very afraid suddenly at the realization that things change ever so quickly sometimes. I knew that feeling well. I didn't mind change. I didn't even mind a big leap every once in a while, and I'd taken quite a few of those in my life, though not necessarily by choice. This one, though, would be the biggest and the most dangerous of my life so far. I was in the red alert zone. This was all I could think about as I sipped on my morning brew. Then Harry walked in, took one look at me, and said, Mom, what's wrong? You're pouting. And that's chapter nine. <laughs> so. Because uh, once he finds out, everything yeah, changes, everything for, changes. For everybody. Yeah. Right? So she struggles. She's really struggling with, like, you know, I don't think she's really thought up until this point too much about how she's going to tell him, when she's going to tell him, if she's mm -hmm. even going to tell him. We, we all kind of assume she is. Yeah, but um, making those those decisions could make or break. Yeah, and I, I can't her. remember. Has Harry asked about his father? Uh, he had asked when he was younger. I right, think that was mentioned. Yes, but, um, he, I think if he's never known his father, yeah. you know, it's been he's fourteen, right? So. Yes, but a very important age to it to is. get to know your father, yes, right? It is. And, and somebody was estranged. So. Yeah, it's going to mention a little something about that too. Mm -hmm. I think in the next few chapters. So. Right. Yeah. Anyway, did you want to read? Uh, chapter 10. 
Is it a really long one? Uh, not too long. Okay. Okay, it's called an open book. Okay, chapter 10. There you go. It was some time before I got, I could get myself going after Les's phone call. I knew it was less a symptom of hectic work schedule and more, the result of the emotional roller coaster that I had been riding for the last 24 hours. I dressed slowly and took a long time deciding what I should do first, make breakfast, make the bed, read the paper, or just worry. Harry and I just decided that we would go over to my parents' place for a quick visit after church to check out Dad's new big screen TV. Once there, however, the lunch ordeal began and Mom had the pasta cooking and bustled about in the kitchen preparing a tray of cold cuts, grilled cuts, cheese and bread. The vino was already opened on the table, ready to complement the perfect Italian Sunday brunch. Every so often, my father called up from the basement to give us updates about each new feature or gizmo that his latest purchase entailed. Connie, Angel, come on down here. You got to see this. My mother would just wave him off, screaming back, Okay, Michael, in a few minutes. We both laughed because she would give the same answer each time, and each time Dad would respond with, Okay, Connie, but hurry up. Dad still had strong traces of his Irish accent which we all loved, and despite what people say with regards to the Irish, he did not really have a hot temper. He was, in fact, very easygoing and fairly soft-spoken. My father and mother were a great, good match, and their marriage, though not perfect, seemed to be a happy one. I knew they'd worried about me all along, a single child mother at 16. However, over the last few years, their concerns were focused more on my brother Matt, who had his fair share of marriage problems, and Tilly, who was 32 and showed no signs of settling down. The only reassurance they seemed to have was in Bev, whose marriage seemed as solid as theirs. Tilly emailed me and said that you would be visiting her in a few weeks. You never said anything to me, Mom said, a hint of resentment in her voice. As her words sank in, I realized that I had completely put any thoughts of traveling away in that little compartment at the back of my mind labeled deal with later. You didn't book anything yet, did you? Mom asked, noticing the look of surprise on my face. No, I sighed. Will you be able to leave the clinic for a couple of weeks? She asked. Well, I shouldn't. I haven't even mentioned it to Cam or Mel. I don't know if I have the heart to ask them to work even more hours while I'm off partying it up with my sister in Italy. I can't believe Tilly told you that I was coming, Mom. I haven't even had the time to consider it seriously. I know you're busy, Angelica, but just to think, if Cam or Melissa wanted to go somewhere, they would ask you, no? And you'd want them to go, wouldn't you? Mom had a way of posing a question, which sounded like a question, but which really meant that she was telling me what to do, and the answer to both would have been yes, anyway. She was right. I decided that I would speak to Mel and Cam the next day. Are you going to be uh, taking Ari with you? She asked. I hesitated to answer because no matter what I said, I knew I would somehow be wrong. I haven't decided. I figured that was safe. You know, Angelica, it's a lot for him to miss two weeks of school. It is his first month of grade nine. Though mom made a good point, I knew that she had an ulterior motive. Leaving Harry home would mean that my parents would have their grandson as their house guest for the duration of my trip. They'd drive him to school, cook for him, and Dad would have a mate with whom he could watch the games on the big screen. Yet I knew that if I had said that I wasn't taking him with me, she probably would have responded with, Addie will be disappointed that you're not taking him. I'm going to let Harry decide for himself, I said, taking myself off the hook. If he wanted to go, then I knew that he would jump at the chance, and if he didn't, he would somehow convince me to let him stay. When I looked at my mother, who had begun to set the table, it hit me that Mom had, yet again, managed to make my mind up for me. There I was, planning it all out in my head, already making arrangements for Harry, when five minutes earlier I hadn't even thought about going at all. How do you do it, Mom? 
As usual, whenever there was a meal at my parents' place, I overate despite the fact that lunch was somewhat rushed because Harry and Dad wanted to catch the afternoon football game. So, anything else new? Mom asked, a note, curi curio a note of curiosity in her face. Though I tried not to be paranoid, it was obvious that she knew something. I cut to the chase. Okay, what do you know? I asked. She continued to feign ignorance. What do you mean? She asked. What do you want to know, Mom? What did you hear? She smiled. I didn't hear anything. I don't have to tell me what's going on, Angel. It's your life. Right. You would never let me get away with that, I thought. Bev called you, didn't she? Or maybe it was Hans. I can't believe it. Hans, my own brother-in-law, called you and blabbed. He broke the code, I said, shaking my head in disappointment. What code? The one where you never tattle on your siblings or your wife's siblings, except for infidelity. That's an exception to the code. She rolled her eyes, as she usually did when I disagreed in uh, one of my social etiquette analogies. Nobody told me anything. Don't you think I know when something is on your mind? Although... I would have preferred to blame Bev or Hans for that. Mom seemed to know and I, that I couldn't. I was an open book, and she was always able to read my heart. To make it worse, she seemed to have passed this gift on to Tilly as well. Okay, so I met someone really nice, and that's it. Oh, do we get to meet him? She asked, her voice hopeful. Meet him? I haven't even gone on a date with him myself yet. Don't jump the gun here, Mom. I realized that I had already given her too much information. Oh, so you just met him? Well, okay. We'll just have to wait then. It was as if she had decided that the topic was a non-topic and she gathered the dishes from the table while changing the subject back to my trip to Italy. That evening, before I had settled into bed with a novel, Moira had lent me about a girl who falls in love with a vampire harry came into my room what you doing mom he asked well i'm just going to start a book i said but i'm glad that you came in i have a question i want to ask you i know what you're going to ask mom he said before i even had a chance to begin oh so do i need to ask then i just want you to know that i wasn't eavesdropping on your conversation with nona today I was just coming upstairs from the basement to get a drink, and I heard you saying something about going to Italy to see Aunt Tilly. So why didn't you come in and join the conversation then, I asked. Are you kidding? I wasn't going to get in the middle of that one. Well, what do you think, I asked him, hoping that he was going to say that he would love to go with me, just him and his mom. Then the words stay and rather woke me out of my five-second daydream. Well, I just think it would be hard to catch up, he was saying. My expression must have revealed my disappointment because Harry suddenly cut his explanation short and asked, Do you really want me to go? I stared back at him, pictured him looking out of the window of a train traveling through the Italian countryside and wishing he was back home with his... How could I have been so stupid? Of course he would want to stay. He had a girlfriend now, his first love. No, Harry, I answered, trying to look as if I were just fine with it all. It would be better if you stayed and kept an eye on your grandparents for me. You can go back again, maybe next summer. He looked relieved, and he nodded, agreeing. Oh, I almost forgot. Nona wanted me to give you this. He took out a white envelope from his pocket of his jeans. What's this, I asked. Don't know. She just handed it to me before we left today and told me to give it to you tonight. I took the envelope from him, and written on the front was just one less thing to have to worry about. Mia Karina. I didn't even have to open it to know that in the envelope was a return airline ticket to Italy. I showed Harry the ticket, taking special note that there wasn't one for him. It seems your grandmother knew you'd be staying back, Harry looked surprised. She never asked me a thing about going to Italy, I swear it, Mom. He defended himself, and knowing that Harry was a really bad liar, I believed him. Oh, I know. She just has a way of knowing things. When are you going? He asked, searching for the date on the ticket. 
My flight to Rome was booked for September 30th. At the realization that this was only a few weeks away, I began to conjure up ways of convincing my colleagues to release me from work to live out this next adventure. After several notions crossed my mind, I concluded that bribery would probably be the best option. Bribe the her mates, she does. <laughs> I, I feel like next the next chapter, I would have to read the end of this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> because it talks about all the ways she bribes Cam and oh, yeah. Mal at work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what she does for them. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a lot of responsibility to leave. It is. It's like when you've started a new practice practice and you know there's lots to do your kid just started grade nine mm-hmm. you know it's at the same busy. time life's busy but it life is needs to be lived yeah. and when you have the opportunities like that yeah i firmly believe you've got to take them yeah for That's sure it. and she hasn't seen her sister no and they're close yeah 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 i i, I like tilly too she's a little bit wild mm-hmm Bev's kind of the responsible, you know, this responsible oldest sister. And then you've got Tilly who's a little bit wild and, um, you know, she's like adventure and yeah, very social and whatnot. You'll see. Yeah. And Angel's <laughs> basically had to put her life on hold. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so not have the opportunity. Now it's time. Now it's time. Time yeah, to I, live. I do love when she goes to Italy. She does go. Oh, obviously. she does. Yes. Oh. And I really love, uh, love that part of the book because it's, um, my father's Italian, so I have her going back to where my dad's from. Oh. So where my dad's from, I make it where her mother's from. It's the mother's Italian. Right? Yes. And um, I visited there once, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I tried to include some of the things that were so special about that town where he's from. And by the way, I want to mention, I love how you did the mother's accent. Oh, that was great. <laughs> you, you do it so much better than I can do it. It's hard for me to, to try and do her accent with the H, not saying the H. Yes. And I didn't even talk with my hands. I, know. I do, you know, I talk with my hands. In fact, I'll never forget um, when I was going in for my interview to be an administrator, um, the superintendent at the time said to me, oh, no, no, no. Or was it the principal who was sort of mentoring me said don't because we would do practice questioning yes like he would ask and then i would and i would talk with my hands when so he says don't talk with your hands <laughs> and so i remember during the interview i had three principals and a superintendent there interviewing me and i had my hands i kept lifting them up to talk and then I would remember and I would hold my take my right hand and hold my left hand and bring it back down into my lap <laughs> and I had to really control that yeah. because I always talk with I mean a lot of people do mm-hmm. right I don't know what but especially Italians yeah what is that <laughs> I don't know but you know <laughs> there's a there's a, a little thing I'm getting off topic but I, I just couldn't believe this when I saw it you know you go on TikTok or Instagram mm-hmm. and you see these reels mm-hmm. well there was one of a little Italian girl and this had to have been in Italy somewhere and she's talking and she's getting upset and she's going ah! and then she's like talking like you know how when they go what are you doing with you know with, her yeah, hand yeah. she's going like that and she's like ah! and then she's talking like this like my italian grandmother would speak like it was the most hilarious thing to watch yeah and uh, we were just watching it on the weekend because we thought it was so funny and uh but it's uh, i don't know i think everybody sort of has their own little you know certain cultures have their uh, certain ways of talking and well i always remember picking uh, my son up from daycare and he was three i guess (laughs) And he used to have like a mop of curls. And then my husband took him to the barber. Last time he ever went to the barber for like the next 14 <laughs> years. Because he had this total, he had this beautiful lock of curls. Yeah. And uh, the hair was taken all the way up to like oh. the forehead. <laughs> and he went to daycare and there's this little boy who's an Italian background. Yeah. And and he, go, and he looked at Matthew and he goes, Matthew, what happened to your curls? But he's like born in Canada. Oh my God. Raised by, raised by Italian grandparents. Yeah, isn't grandparents. that funny, eh? Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation today. It brought me back to my, uh, a little bit to my childhood, a little bit to my heritage there. Yes. <laughs> Although my, I have to say my dad speaks perfect English. Like he was in business, so he actually never really, like I remember growing up, 
Like he never really had an Italian accent or anything. Yeah. yeah. And my mother didn't speak Italian. She was Ukrainian background, so yeah. but was born in Canada. Uh-huh. So she they always spoke English. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a very English household mm-hmm. uh, where my mother like cooked the hell out of every single <laughs> vegetable. <laughs> but we had Italian neighbors. And I'd never eaten pizza or pasta in my entire life. Really? Until next door Tecla made the most amazing pizza. And then my mother was finally convinced that pizza was okay. Yeah. 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 It can be very healthy. Oh, yeah. You put healthy stuff on it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really good. They had enough. I love pasta. In the back. It's my favorite. Yeah. I know. It's my weakness, though. Yeah. When I was in teacher's college, I ate pasta every single night. Ooh. Pasta with sauce. Pasta with vegetables. Pasta with butter. Pasta like every <laughs> night. It was like something different. And I was so skinny. I don't know how I even did that. No. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah, we learned was... later on in life that we couldn't have pasta every night. <laughs> and that's what we're having tonight. But... <laughs> oh, well. well, we'll tune you in next time, listeners, and tell you how the pasta was. It's an Instagram recipe. I know. Don't laugh, but I. this is what I do. I love hey, at least making... you do Instagram. I don't yeah. even do Instagram. Yeah. They've got great recipes, but like quick ones. Yeah. So I've tried different things. And you know what? They turn out just like the picture. I'm shocked. Like I, I don't, I don't think it's because I have any particular skill. They're just like very yeah. straightforward, yeah. easy things to do. So I just said that I was going to do a TikTok, or sorry, not TikTok, uh, Instagram recipe tonight. Well, I'm looking so forward we'll to trying it. it. After we talked about restaurants and I know Italian background, then we got our pasta tonight. There we go, and wine. Mi amore. <laughs> <laughs> well, Claire, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you and for having me. Anita. It was just a pleasure. Yeah, it was very fun. Yeah, it was. So we'll tune in next time and we'll be on chapter 10, I think. No, wait a minute. 11. 11? Yes, we just finished 10. Yeah. We did 8, 9, and 10 today. Yeah, we're getting there. Mm -hmm. Chapter 11 will start next week or next time. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining and we will uh, catch you later. 